I just did for furthermore, I was a quick substitution for mass debation, and one of the topics I had to argue was geese with guns. And I'm like, I respect <laughs> any animal that won't tolerate humans' shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, really. Pepper, you're lucky to Are be really? alive. You threw a fucking stick at the biggest goose I have ever seen in my life. Oh, I'll fight a goose because I you it's you can fight geese and other I won't say all large birds because don't like fight an ostrich that'd be that'd be horrible <laughs> what but the hell? like geese you can fight geese and stuff as long as you know going in that the fight's gonna happen you'll probably be okay most humans don't expect to be goose attacked I am like ready to I'm ready to defend myself <laughs> you know it's it's crazy like geese usually do sometimes go after you but I saw a wee man chase geese around our parking lot. Uh, at, at the game <laughs> studio, and they fucking ran from him. So I'll figure that shit out. It's that's the thing. It's having aggression. It's that humans show fear to mm-hmm. the geese. <laughs> and uh, the geese can rec- We're gonna clap. Three. Okay. Oh, we're gonna go three, two, one. Then clap. Three, yeah. two, one. Welcome to Last Minute Politics. I am Zanny the Blue, and I'm joined by Pepper Coyote and Dragor. And today our special guest is Ood from. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pronounce this wrong. It's in Latin. Occulta Veritatis. Is that right? Is that... Yeah. Yeah. You, you got. You got it pretty good. Yeah, I did it. You know, later Thank on, you. I read one of those top ten. Like, here's top ten tips for making your own podcast. Make an easy to spell and say name. So, like, I <laughs> failed on that one. <laughs> nice. And my pronouns are they, uh, they, she. Draggers are they, them. Pepper is he, him, and so is Ood. So I'm just getting that out of the way. There's no easy way to do that. So I'm just getting out of there. <laughs> we are the men of the show. Me and Ood will be oh, eating shit. all beef jerky. We'll be drinking various motor oils. One hundred percent. It'll be a push-up contest, and I'll be refusing <laughs> to cry even when I need it. <laughs> We're, we will. No, that's we will the be contest. Comparing your bench stats. <laughs> Welcome to the latest episode of How Much You Bench. How much you bench? How much do you bench? Uh, <laughs> I can I can bench like half of my own body weight, and that's yeah. <laughs> I feel like you should be able to bench. Like, I don't know, is your own body your weight own a reasonable goal? Your own body weight goal? is the healthy target that yeah. most people should strive. Actually, you should be able to bench a bit over your body weight. Overhead press your body weight is really cool, but, like, not... It depends. Are you, like, do you need to lift a car, like, in a movie? I could probably uh, <laughs> squat both me and Dragor at the same time. Like, yeah. my weight plus Dragor's... Because my legs are, are hella, but when it comes yeah, to... Yeah, you I could do probably like do, twice your body weight in general. Yeah. <laughs> I could probably do like one bench press of my body All weight, All right, this is not lifting talk for well, fuck's sake. I think it should be. <laughs> I think as long as it's not bolted down or like made of wrought iron, I should be able to lift one bench. <laughs> <laughs> we will lift one bench and throw it through the window of this police department. <laughs> yeah! Okay. All right. Let's... Let's <laughs> welcome to Sedition Cast. We yes. will be committing our, acts. <laughs> our, our special guest is here to talk to us about harm reduction. Actually, uh, what is it? Why is it important? And that kind of stuff. So I wanted to get That's into the that. thing we talk about all the time. Uh, we do. <laughs> can I? Then, can I be an asshole for a moment? Do it. 
Harm reduction. What is it? Why is it important? And why is Pepper wrong? Oh, shit. (laughs) Am I wrong? We'll find out. I'm curious to see how much if we... Hey, I have a. This is short. Let me throw this out, and then we'll jump. We'll jump into our proper a proper segment. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. So I had a thought the other day, and we've all been uh, since we've been pandemicking. I've noticed that the self checkout lanes are just they are at an all time low for giving a shit about what you're doing over at the self checkout. <laughs> so I want to pose a question: self checkout. If you steal from it, is that shoplifting? If you just don't scan a thing, put it in your bag, nobody really pays attention, and it's pandemic, so they're just spamming the, like, whatever, let them keep going button on their little iPad they're walking around with at the station, you know, the one person who monitors all the self-checkouts. Is that shoplifting, or is that just me reclaiming my unpaid wage as the temporary gig checkout employee that they have conscripted me into being? (laughs) (laughs) My argument is, if you don't want me to steal from the self-checkout, hire a person. It'll be cheaper than the amount of food I am stealing from them. What are your thoughts on this, everyone? I don't know. Like, if, if I controlled the leverage of the world, like, I would make it so that uh, corporations who hire those machines, like, they have to pay at wage the amount of workers they're replacing, and that money would go towards, like, a social safety net program. Like, like that, that's what I would envision in a purple wor- in a perp- in a in a perfect world. So, like philosophically, I'm with you. Yeah. Like instead of a carbon tax, it's like an automation tax where companies have to like. Plus, pay. the consequence of your action isn't really that harmful because it's probably just something that'll be thrown away anyway. Oh, if we're speaking morally, people should know this is from the the Kroger Corporation, so it's not like I'm just ripping off like Bill's Grocery Store. <laughs> For okay, so I'm a consequentialist. I can't. Just separate the consequences from the morals of it. I don't know. That's just me. That's true. I don't know. What will Kroger do without that gallon of milk? Yeah, it was yeah, a gallon. Exactly. It was a gallon of milk this time. I, I, like, I'll just go ahead and. <laughs> are the police listening in? I don't know. <laughs> Drag or anything? That's it. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Short. I mean, if in the specifically the context of a grocery store, if it has self checkout, it probably is a megacorp. Therefore, like. It's morally right to hurt their profits. <laughs> All right, everyone. What are your favorite corporations that it is impossible to treat immorally? Meaning, Microsoft, like, <laughs> Walmart, <laughs> Google. Kroger, who, who owns all your stores. Check your grocery store. It's probably owned by Kroger. Nestle. Oh, yeah. wait. We're listing the biggest pieces of capitalism. Oops. <laughs> Just like yeah. Disney. No. Amazon. F- fuck it. I know. Like, as much as I want to get away from them, their web services, like, crawl far and wide. I think the end of Fight Club, do that. (laughs) Yeah, that's Amazon. That's how you'd have to... You have to go to the AWS. You have to you have to coordinate like seven hundred different server atta- like attacks all at the same time to even put a dent in Amazon Web Services. Uh, that is absolutely not true. Uh, you can no, do it all, it all with the BGP protocol. Oh my God! Okay, so could the you please in a detailed manner tip, paper clips and duct tape? That is it. In a detailed manner, can you explain how to commit this domestic terrorist act? (laughs) (laughs) Pepper, did you talk to some alphabet soup people recently? Look, in Minecraft, I might think it's a great (laughs) idea. I'm just saying, don't you were telling us about Amazon. I'm just saying, don't use the anarchist cookbook. A lot of those recipes don't really work. So, like, yeah, that's all I'm saying. So, um, we were going to talk about the uh, harm reduction in terms of the drug war. Uh, Yeah, speaking of anarchist cookbook, harm reduction. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> but like, I guess uh, preamble. I'm very new to harm reduction. I've just been working in in the harm reduction areas for really a few months. Uh, the the concept of it got introduced to me in a significant way uh, last year. Yeah, like. How would you tell a five-year-old what harm reduction is, like what that concept is? Uh, basically, uh, sometimes substances have severe consequences. Um, like sometimes when you eat something or take something, you can get uh, really sick, and it's better to be near a place that can help you than to be alone or to be away from some place that can help you. So if you're going to use something that you're going to use anyway, but it might make you sick, you better be near people who will help you when you get sick. That's how I would explain it to a five-year-old. That's what harm reduction and safe consumption sites are um, in, in, in a very, very basic way. So you're talking harm reduction specifically related to uh, controlled substances or uncontrolled substances, I guess. <laughs> substances. Oh, 100%. Substances, yeah. Is there any of your work or any overlap for what you have here for uh, abortion clinics? Because, like, what you just described is kind of the same thing. We statistically know people are going to use drugs whether or not they can get help for them or not. And we know statistically people will figure out how to do abortions whether or not there is a safe way or legal way to do it. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, 100, 100%. And there's organizations in my city that uh, do help women access abortions. And we do have people that regularly pick it outside of our hospitals and, like, shame people that want to go in and get abortions. And, like, that that's a common thing. So we have some organizations that, uh, when that gets bad, they'll escort uh, people who are pregnant in. Uh, I, I shouldn't have said just women, but people who are pregnant in. Um, and, and they'll, uh, do it that way. So I very much agree. That's another form of harm reduction. Like you're not forcing people to do things they need to do in an unsafe way. So, Ood, I don't want to ape, we'll edit this out if I'm like jumping ahead of what you're going to talk about anyway, yeah. but you mentioned already, uh, safe consumption sites. Yeah. Uh, I know that you on your own podcast, Occulte Veritatis, that's Occulte with two C's if I'm not wrong. Yar. You took a visit to an actual Saskatoon like safe consumption sites you have personal like you've seen with your own two eyes what this kind of thing can look like so like when some when people hear that it, you usually get like a big like not in my backyard reaction because they assume oh it's just going to be a hangout spot where a bunch of heroin people will get together to plan how to rob me or whatever can you tell us what a safe consumption site like looks and feels like since you've been to one in your real life Oh, sure. Uh, when you walk in the door, you're uh, registered. Um, a person will take very basic information. Uh, not so we can narc people out. We don't work with the cops because the cops are kind of antithetical to what we're trying to do a lot of the time. They're very interested mm -hmm. in, in the punishment of people that uh, use and carry drugs. So we'll, so they do not coordinate with the police heavily. Yeah. Well, necessarily. Like, we'll communicate them. We'll communicate with them as much as we have to, but they're, they're not allowed in... Uh, in the site unless we invite them. And I, I haven't heard them being invited in a very long time. So, and we collect that information just to keep track of use in the community. Like, who's, like, what kind of demographics of people are using what substances, stuff like that. Uh, you then go into a room where there's a paramedic standing by and often another employee ready to go. And the paramedic will offer you new supplies. So if you come in with a substance you want to use, you'll get a new needle or a new pipe. Um, brand new sterile equipment that doesn't have any residue on it, doesn't have any chances of infections on it, and you're given this. And under the supervision of the paramedic and of the employees, you use your substance in the room. 
Um, if you're having trouble finding a vein or if you're having trouble using your substance, we can assist with that. Again, because of harm reduction. We don't want somebody to infect themselves and create an ab absence on their arm or and that will take out their ability to use that arm. We don't want that to happen. We want to prevent that from happening. Um, after the substance um, happens, you get them to sit in a kind of a uh, a decompression room afterwards, which is just really a room with music, with uh, nice uh, chairs to sit in that's a relaxing atmosphere. And they sit there for a while until we're sure that they haven't overdosed or there's no adverse effects. And then we send them on their way. And while they're in that space, we can connect them to other, other social services um, 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 organizations, uh, people that can find them housing, uh, people that can help them with legal services, people that can hel help them uh, get education, people that can hel help them find uh, dental care or medical care or refer them to a therapist. Um, and we don't push this stuff. We offer it. And if they figure they want to, they can. Um, and something that, uh, again, is part of this uh, harm reduction towards uh, substance use is offering that but not pushing it. Um, when you push, like, going to detox on somebody, it most often, almost always fails. People don't react to being forced to stop using or to alter their usage by force. It's a choice they have to want to make themselves. So you offer that to them. It's kind of that old parable of the, uh, you know, blowing the wind on someone trying to take off their, their coat and they held on to it harder and then the sun makes them just take it off, right? Just like helping versus punishment as a concept. It's like, is this something like, oh, here's a person, here's the thing, here's the help. If you want it, there it is. But it, like the right wing is like, oh, you did this bad thing. You must be punished for it. Don't do that again. And that's where it stops. We have like the inverse of that with like the Salvation Army here where they, if you, on their face, like Zan's saying, they off, they, they don't just offer help. They're kind of like, well, you must now attend our church or you're kicking out of the shelter. Or yeah. You must now accept Jesus or you're out of the thing. No more needles for you. Like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not oh, a stick. Well, that's a whole different subject. Right? There's no, it's not, there, you don't have like a carrot stick situation uh, is what you're talking about. You don't have a, a stick, so to say. There's not punishment. Right. And we've been trained so much to look for this, the, the, the what's the catch, you know? Especially and in the so US. That's understandable. <laughs> well, I mean, like, let's let's go with the most simple one that is legal almost everywhere, which is mm -hmm. alcohol. Uh, I unfortunately can speak to this directly, both people I knew in college and in my own family. If, if the alcoholic does not want to make a change, short of, through fascism, forcing them and controlling every aspect of their life, you cannot make an alcoholic stop if they don't want to. And, like, I'm not talking about the person that says, oh, I want to, but then doesn't take any action for it. Yeah. Like, you know, if you know the alcoholic who is clearly, or a smoker, who has tried to quit, and it is it is hard, it is very hard, the success rates are much higher when you have a support network around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, like, uh, ooh, do you have any numbers you could potentially throw at us? Like, the difference of... You know, uh, people getting help or getting clean. Like, at these facilities, what's the statistical likelihood you will stop 
seeing someone showing up because they don't need to show up anymore. And I don't mean because they're dead. Oh, there's lots of instances. Like, I, I can't speak to, to uh, uh, specific people, but there's been lots of instances where, you know, after somebody has uh, used the facility for a few weeks or a few months, uh, they come to a place where they want to... Uh, uh, either go a, a traditional medicine route and uh, and do a more like holistic type of uh, of uh, 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 separation from the substance, or they go to uh, regular detox or to therapy, or there's some types of medications that can be administered to help uh, fight withdrawals, and some of them do it that way. Um, but uh, eventually, sometimes uh, some of the people that come eventually want to try one of these things out. And uh, they talk to one of the people, and sometimes they are successful in getting off the substance. Um, I, I guess it's uh, the point is to, uh, I guess, leave that door open, and uh, and if they choose to uh, to use it and walk through it themselves, they're usually more successful. And there's been a, a quite a few examples of people that uh, ha- have gone through our facility and uh, and have. Uh, uh, fought out the other side. So I guess I want to ask. Cool, cool. I want to ask about uh, the when we talk about harm, the the, the reduction in the in the word harm reduction. I, I'm assuming that's because uh, it, that it's phrased that way because it's it's not supposed to be a, oh this is the brick wall uh, ultimatum style thing. It's okay. Some someone may or may not be causing themselves harm, and we are now seeking to reduce that through like, holistic methods i feel like i'm circling an actual question here like does, does what i'm saying make sense oh yeah like, like where is the harm reduction what harm are we reducing well this is the harm we're reducing um in in a lot of uh, where we live right now there's a lot of uh stigma built around certain substances uh, certain drugs like stuff like that mm-hmm. there's a, there's a huge stigma built up and that stigma forces people to use substances that could be life threatening in private areas they want to hide usage because it had such a negative stigma. It can get them in social trouble. It can separate them from their family and friends. It can make them lose their job. It can get them in legal trouble, get them arrested. Uh, you don't want to admit to, like, a doctor or a nurse that you're using. Like, there, there, there's so much that comes from that stigma. And because of that, people use these substances, which can sometimes produce an overdose or other life-threatening effects, like isolated away from people that can help them so when they overdose Mm. or when they have like an adverse effect um or when they fail again and again um from being forced to go into rehab uh, and they and they relapse harder and harder afterwards um that's where the harm comes in that stigma um, we open our doors. We say, do this substance in front of us so that if something goes wrong, we can help you. And if you decide you want to get further help from like some type of, uh, of, of separation service from the substance, like some type of therapy or whatever, like that door is open. And that's where the harm reduction comes in. The, the way we treat mm. substance use um, is 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 kinder because it doesn't force people into isolated areas to use substances that could end their lives or could have adverse effects. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a great partner to like a uh, some kind of national decriminalization effort, effort where it's like, cool, we're gonna take out the immediate penalties, and oh, what do we do with all the people who are hooked on drugs? Like, well, we have these various facilities that already exist to help people either use safely or if they want to stop using completely. Here we go, and then the last step is removing the things that make our life horrible 
such as our economic system, but that's a different topic for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Would people use as much drugs if capitalism weren't so harmful? If they weren't miserable all the time, would people be doing it? I'm pretty sure drugs? the rat experiment says no. <laughs> uh, I definitely know that in... The rat park. You can look at, a, what was it, Portugal? Portugal just was like, all drugs are... It's not that they're all legal and you can just do them in the streets, but you can no longer be arrested just for drugs. They were all legalized, decriminalized, whatever, and they've had their, like, bloodborne illness rates go down because of needle sharing they've had just in general it's been all good and everyone will ignore it and no one will copy it but there it is look at Portugal like I I read a I read an article about the psychological motivations of different like people who are hard-grained into different political views and it seems like uh like people who are at least far left are motivated by things like uh empathy and stuff like that and uh, along with a couple of other things and one of the things they pointed out for what really motivates far right people is adhering to like an abstract purity like if something seems it's, wrong it's, or dirty it's, it's automatically rejected and like i, I think like the little struggle that's going on in my province, I live in Saskatchewan, and and uh, the harm reduction clinic that's in our city has been fighting for government funding for years. They've shown the government time and time again, hey, we're saving lives over and over again in this facility. Like, like here are the hard numbers. Here are the statistics. Um, and the government won't fund that facility. Um, they'll fund uh, millions of dollars worth of anti-drug campaigns like throw back to the 90s dare bullshit they'll throw millions of dollars at that but when this facility asked for 1.9 million to run its facility for a year which is a bargain for a government program with a full slate of employees 1.9 million that's not too bad to save a bunch of lives like they outright rejected it and now like there's a bunch of businesses in the community that are throwing in like huge donations to keep the harm reduction facility going and like mm. You know, we're doing this whole this whole tax thing. We're all throwing in part of our paychecks to, you know, for the greater good. Why can't we fund like this facility that's helping with the opioid e- epidemic? And I mean epidemic. There was uh, in Saskatchewan, there was 233 overdose deaths in our little province. And this year we're on track mm-hmm. to beat it. We're on track to beat that number this year. It's rising. Like, opioids keep on being prescribed, which gets people hooked on other substances, which, you know, rises the risk of overdose because a lot of the substances are, have fentanyl and other, like, contaminants in them. That, that And, like, we're not doing what it takes to keep people safe. We're just letting people, you know, roll the dice in, like, a back alley or in an apartment or in a, base, in a basement. And if they roll the dice wrong and the stuff they bought is tainted... Um, suddenly their life is at risk and there's nobody around to help them. And that's not the way you help citizens. We want to destigmatize so people get brought into these areas where if they overdose or if they have an adverse effect, we can keep them alive. We can save their life. Like, and like, mm-hmm. there's people are dying by the hundreds every year because the government doesn't want to take this step. It doesn't want to stop the stigma and say like hey if you're using an illegal substance you better not let anybody know about it like that whole thing i think something you hit on that i want to point out is like so i think about like what my family would say about people who would oh why do you want to give money to a bunch of druggies like i'd be like yes yes they're people and they need help or whatever or if these these are people and they're not just the losers and then you are the winners it's 
they are people who you actually rely on and they're not uh, outside of your affected group as you think. Like, these are people you rely on. These are your workers. These are your fellow human beings. And there's, there's, ten, there's, there's a uh, tendency in conservatism, I've noticed, to be like, ah, those are all the bad people we have to worry about. Not these are potential... If they want to be like think like them, potential workers, I hate to say it like that, but just like they're other people. And yes, we can go with empathy, but I often try to to push. We will be in a better world if we help out those who need. Food points out yeah. being motivated by following a specific like creed and set of rules. And if you, at the end of the day, believe that like, it's very easy to ignore. Oh, this much money accomplishes this goal you want because it's not that they want that goal. It's that they say. If you think using X drug makes you a bad person no matter what, you can't possibly get to a step of like, oh, well, here's how we can improve the lives of X people taking that drug. They're like, no, you're the way you're good is to live your life in this one exact specific way and everything else is just noise. Right. Oh, yeah. And that's why you can't get funding because that's what the politicians think too. They're like, ah, you, you use this drug, you're a bad person, don't deserve money. The end. <laughs> like, and how many of those politicians did coke? Yeah, well, oh, it's, yeah. it's never for them. It's never consistently applied rules. Look, homelessness is one of those examples that always stands out to me because, again and again, you can show like people Chicken that are in the egg shit. Yeah, you can show show people that are right wing and conservative the numbers, saying like, not only will it help people, it will save you money if you just stick people without a home in a temporary apartment or halfway house or whatever. If you put a roof over these people's heads for free, it will save you money in the end. And when it's been practiced in other countries or test runs in states and cities, it has directly shown that. And they will still stand by their principles and say, like, well, even if it saves money, like, they didn't earn that. Like, they, like, they, like it's the principle. They should they should have worked it's for about that. about puritanity. You have to have lived the proper mm -hmm. life in order to, in big air quotes, deserve, like, life. <laughs> the, the, your needs, your basic needs, like food, water, shelter. You have to live a certain kind of life. I'm really glad... You brought that up. There was an article I read. Uh, I hope maybe I'll find it quickly. If anyone listening to this knows what I'm talking about and can post a link, by all means, please do. Uh, and it was someone talking about how they have a job. I don't know if it was in tech or what have you, but they opened up about how they were a homeless person for years. It doesn't matter how they got there. It's that once you are in that homeless situation, it is incredibly difficult to get out. And they wrote about their journey of getting out. And one of the things that they got that they were able to work with was that free roof over their head. But it wasn't mm -hmm. even on the order of weeks or months. It, it took them two to three years to shed the constant fear of what it's like to be homeless and going back to it. It took years of not having to worry about where you're going to sleep to unlearn worrying about where you're going to sleep before they could even work on oh, okay, so now I have this. I want to re-enter and contribute to society. Not even work. Just, oh, I'm more stable now. The, the thing that spoke to me the most about it was they didn't just continue to live there and do nothing the rest exactly. of the time. Once they were more stable, it's like, oh, um, I don't, my mind is not preoccupied with this worry anymore. Fuck, I'm bored. I gotta go do something. <sighs> There's this weird belief that conservatives believe that they need to be uncomfortable and suffer in order to get better 
like, like, like you said, Pep, like, oh, well, they should have done this. And the implication is now they must suffer the consequences. It's like, you know, I'm right. I only work. I only sleep four hours a night and the other 16 I'm working like that. that, That's what that's what a man should do for his family. He should suffer uh, to the bone. Exactly. One hundred percent. I always bring up like because the science says that is wrong. Mm-hmm. The farther back in time you go, as far as like away from industrialization, the more you get to, oh gosh, the tribe, a community, a commune, if you will. <laughs> well, Dragger, anytime you point to the science, that's just, that's up to interpretation, whether or not they like it. You're looking it at not. a goal and it's not about fixing a problem. It's about, did you live your life in the specific prescribed way, which... That, uh, Jordan, I don't like bring up Jordan Peterson just to dunk on Jordan Peterson, but that's what 12 Steps for Life is. That's one of those sets of ways you must live your life, and the results aren't important. It's just <laughs> doing the thing, following the list, doing the checklist, like being a perfect alpha mm. or whatever. The, I don't know what the... <laughs> whatever thing. Don't jerk off. Don't... Well, all right. <laughs> it's, it's not fair to say there isn't a goal because there is. There's two. Yeah. The, the insidious goal is obedience for its own sake and conformity for its own sake because of power structures. But the goal to the people that fall into it or subscribe to it is they do not feel okay and want to feel okay. Like, mm. that is always a goal that is there. Even in the worst of religion, there is some kind of reward or carrot. No matter, no matter how insidious the things behind it are, the thing that hooks people is that desire to feel better. Yeah, if you look at all the all the highlight, highlights right now or uh, headlines, it's like these things are going on. They're taking away Mr. Potato Head, and that makes me feel uncomfortable. What are they doing to our world? <laughs> it's it's that taking away of what you're saying, Dragger. Like I shouldn't have to deal with this. Um, uh, that idea is very pernicious, pernicious, and like it's funny you're mentioning the science thing. Like my dad says, like like oh, the science. I I don't know which uh, the science is still out, and the truth is, people like him will always say the science is still out on everything because they will only agree with what jives with them. All right, ah, uh, see that's where I immediately go to shame. What if that doesn't work? Uh, you have much like fire. You have not applied enough. You have not okay. applied enough consequences to that level of ignorance. What's our next thing yeah. before we get too abstract? <laughs> yeah, do, do you guys have any like any any like dirty dirty little questions that you might want to know that you think I know you think reactionaries might even like bring up? Like mm. I, I, I'm kind of ready to respond to that. The topic I was going to bring up, and I'm going to not go into it, but I'm, this is going to like frame my question. So the. Biden Department of Justice filed a brief arguing it's unconstitutional to put trans women in men's prisons. So at surface level, you look at that and you go, hey, um, good. But as soon as you scale back, you go, yeah, but our prisons are still very bad. So in the context of harm reduction, that is a good, like, that is a thing that is going to have meaningful impact on people's lives today while not addressing the core problem of what we don't like as far as, like, prison and punishment and things of that nature. So, in your work with harm reduction, so, like, what what do you face or what is the response or the alternative that people say? So, like, 
we're a bunch of lefties. Our whole thing is prisons should be abolished as we know them today. But while we're not getting to that today, trans women being in women's prisons is a clear harm reduction thing we can do. So if if the safe using spaces are the clear harm reduction, is there is there something else that you and these orgs are aiming for? Is there something else that the critics point to as saying, well, that's enabling, or, you know, do this instead? Like, what are the arguments you face with what you're doing in the drug oh, fuck use yeah. context? Yeah, th- there's a bunch of things that we aim for. Like, there's a bunch of... There's a bunch of lofty goals, especially in Canadian harm reduction circles, that have actually been implemented and tried out in other countries and have been seen to be successful. Uh, I, Pep, I believe I mentioned... By the way, I call you Pep a bunch. Is that all right? Yeah, everybody calls me Pep. Okay, good, good. Uh, it, <laughs> that, that was quite <laughs> successful. Um, they saw, like, they basically legalized uh, different types of drugs and substances and basically uh, decriminalized a lot of it. And they saw usage going down. They saw people seeking help going up. Like, it was a positive thing for them. So what are we aiming for? Uh, number one, safe supply. Uh, right now, the a lot of substances are dangerous to use because... Uh, different people are cutting whatever the base substance was with different things. Uh, it could be to enhance effects so that, you know, a weaker substance could be stronger or it could be just uh, cutting it um, and and uh, to get people hooked on the stuff you have for v- various different reasons. And that stuff... Wasn't fentanyl mainly used to cut? Oh, yeah, meth 100%. That was so dangerous. And there, there's actually a really bad yeah. strain of uh, meth mm-hmm. that's going through, uh, going through our city right now. Um, somebody, somebody at a harm reduction mm-hmm. site uh, had to be injected with 27 doses of naloxone, uh, which is uh, a chemical that helps people come out of overdoses uh, if, they, if they've gone into them. And even then, even us putting on our on on even the harm reduction site putting on their social media that twenty seven doses were needed, there was healthcare workers arguing in the comments saying like, "Oh, you should have stopped after five doses." Like it was essentially you shouldn't waste it on people. Yeah, is the implication? Yeah, like Ugh. right in the headline it says, "We saved this person's life. They didn't f- come out of it all the way until twenty seven doses later." And there's people in the comments saying, well, you should have stopped after five. Like, I, I don't get where that comes from. It comes from an idea that there's no reason to. It, it, it's a terrible it's only place. only poor people. <laughs> like, if that was the president or somebody, nobody would be saying that shit. If that was the chief of police or something, nobody would be saying that shit. If it was a fucking librarian, nobody would be saying that shit. It's just the perception that anyone who uses certain substances just loses all of their worth. Because they are so far away from our aforementioned perfect prescribed way that you are supposed to in big quotes live your life that they are not even people anymore like that's if you get far enough off of what is considered the mainstream conservative-ish like life path people will unconsciously just come out and tell you that they think you're not like don't have human worth which is what it is what you're saying if you're like ah that overdosing person you should have simply allowed to die this costs time resources and money and you use too much for what we for what i get out of yeah. this is really what it is. They'll frame it as, oh, well, it's society. I'm like, is no, yeah. society supposed to take care of its population? Well, they made they made a choice. An informed one? Well, clearly they knew. <laughs> yeah. Did you check We're going to put, put that person's <laughs> smoker yeah. grandmother. It's like, oh, sorry, triage dictates that they don't get any medical care. They're a smoker and they're over 80. Bye! <laughs> yeah. 
Wait, wait, that's not right. So j- just to sum uh, it up, like, yeah, number one, safe supply. Um, we want to cut people out that are cutting their substances, because uh, if, if you allow people like that into the market and have them be, like, potentially the only source of that substance that you can get, uh, it could be a substance that was cut with something you weren't expecting. Um, we want to eliminate that market. We want to have a safe supply where uh, this stuff is manufactured and regulated so that when you think you're using a substance, you're actually using that substance at that dosage. Uh, number two, education. Let's remove the stigma. Let's tell people exactly what these substances do and tell them how some substances that are illegal are much safer and have much lower like risk of harm than substances that are illegal, such as alcohol. Like, there are substances that are illegal right now that are way safer to use than substances we have legal. Let's eliminate that. Let's tell people, let's not scaremonger, let's tell people exactly what these substances do so that they can make an informed decision for themselves. Number three, decriminalize. Uh, like, let's not throw people in jail for ingesting these substances. Um, it's, it's not a solution to the problem. It has never been a solution to the problem. It's just been about increasing incarceration rates so we can keep the prison industrial complex going because, you know, that's a big money maker to many, many big tall people. And like, like there's no reason to imprison drug users or, or substance users or anything of the sort. Um, those are the three big lofty goals that I think a lot of harm reductionists are aiming for. But again, I'm new to this industry. I don't speak for everybody. Uh, there's a lot of people that have years and years and decades of experience instead of months. So, uh, don't take my word for it. Uh, you know, travel to YouTube and to Ted talk and to other places, uh, read books and attend seminars. There's lots of resources out there. If you look for it, if you want to learn about people who have a lot more experience than I do. Very cool. Thank you. Good times. Freaking, I can only imagine like what the Canadian, uh, prison industrial complexes. I mean, I'm hoping it's less than in the U.S. Just because it's like a smaller, it's just smaller. There's just fewer people in general to be doing it to. But like, we're we're the fucking black triple black belts on the world stage of doing that. I mean, I don't know if you recall or not when the other OVPod folks were on, but we were specifically talking about how they have basically the same exact same type of. In their own ways, racism and oh, police yeah. abuse. The police, for sure. Mm-hmm. And their just in different ways. Negative interactions are just as, if not more negative than ours. It's, it's a lot of the same, except, like, we, it's weirdly Canadian-flavored, because we get to hide behind the stereotype of being, like, a socialist paradise. <laughs> it's like, you're like, oh, like, genocide in Canada? No, that doesn't, no, that doesn't sound like Canada. Like... We get to hide behind that stereotype when, yes, Canada has done genocides. Our our prisons are not adequate. They abuse the people that are contained within instead of rehabilitating them. Like we have, we have, we have systemic problems out the wazoo. You know. Are you ready for the day? Because the U.S. has such a low bar. Mm-hmm. If we make any improvements, where suddenly the U.S. is like on paper and in reality slightly better than Canada in some human rights things, and then Canada suddenly has to go, ah, shit, um, uh, d- d- ignore that. Oh, never mind. We're getting this legislation. We're getting it through right now. We're writing the bills. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like when we briefly had gay marriage. If there is an arms race <laughs> of ethics. Please. Remember, we give briefly me had this. gay marriage in Australia. If didn't. it takes fucking ego to make the world a better place, fine. I don't yeah, care I'll, anymore. I'll, I'll use do nationalism it. if I'll use nationalism <laughs> if it like uh, 
if it like it sounds good rhetorically like <laughs> come on guys we're gonna let the americans beat it come guys come on come on oh that's exactly totally what i do for when people want to argue about healthcare. it's like we have the best healthcare in the world i'm like yeah but what if that was true we could make that a fact we could actually have the best healthcare in the world then wouldn't you, wouldn't you be we proud could. of us like how many more americans could we save if we gave all americans health imagine the, imagine like, america don't you want to be from the family that is responsible for curing yeah. cancer? Don't you want well, I, that bragging right? I'll USA it up if we ever do that shit. Imagine how much of an arrogant <laughs> fuck you can be on Reddit if you have the best healthcare in the world. You can be like, hmm, well, <laughs> Europeans. Mm. Like, I know. All right, I'm going to do it. I'm going <laughs> to make it. it about wrestling. Wrestling would flourish if we had free oh, for everyone. That's why they're all Canadian. All the pro yes. wrestlers are Canadian. <laughs> Well, yeah, I didn't have to worry about jumping through this glass table because there was a really good doctor's office down the road and like it, it didn't be, cause what's me anything. That thing where it's like survivor bias, I think is the <laughs> survivor survivorship bias. Where oh, we just yeah, think they're all Canadians because all the amazing American pro wrestlers just die when they're nine and they try to because they try to jump through a window and can't go to the hospital. <laughs> yeah, Darby Allen never became himself because he had to. He never paid off. Darby never got to ER climb into various body bags and get kicked off of structures. <laughs> anyway, Darby Allen is a wrestler and he climbs into body. I completely explained it, didn't I? Didn't need to say anything. <laughs> yep. You know, if you lose one D four fingers every time you tumble through a wing window, how many times do you tumble through a window until you have no fingers left? You know all that. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck! You did time series and expected value. All right. Uh, next segment. Uh, is actually Pep's good old cancel, cancel corner, corner because uh, I'm not being canceled at this time. Yeah, but, you wanna... and it's not even about a new one. And this one's just kind of yeah. safe to talk about because it's there's it's such a, a a figure that everybody listening will just roll their eyes immediately. Ood won't know about them though. So Diesel Diesel Raccoon, you have to specify because I have a friend who's a husky who's also named Diesel, and there's like Diesel's a pretty generic noun for a fur, especially for a furry name. The number of furry gearheads yeah. that have some form of diesel as part of their name or in their name is statistically mm. high compared to elsewhere. With so there's a handles. person named Diesel who, within the furry, uh, the furry fandom, especially within furry Twitter for sure, is they pop. They only ever pop up because they've said some new ridiculous thing that's been screenshotted. They don't have an especially large amount of power. I don't like. They don't like staff or run any cons that I know of. Do they? Did they ever? As far as I know, they're just a. They're essentially a rando who aware. got a name for. They made some extremely funny. I'm gonna say funny, <laughs> funny uh, TikToks where it's like them mm. standing there where like I stand alone plays, and then they stand there in their fursuit for a bit when they're really out of frame, like too low in the frame, like the whole upper half is just like wall, and then they slowly raise like two AR-15s. <laughs> like the, like I said, very funny, <laughs> very funny TikTok. <laughs> okay, you think that's funny. They, they think, think they're, they're being like a badass. Scary. <laughs> but <laughs> well, in the context of the tweet that was Ooh. surfacing from 2015, well, they, that is scary. They initially jumped on the scene scary. as like, "What the fuck?" When they had a series of tweets where it's like, "I get so nervous at the Walmart I work at when it's only me and black people. I feel like I should have my gun or like something." Paraphrasing wow. that, it's, just, it's only gotten worse since then. <laughs> it's not. It's not good. I'm laughing not because it's funny. They support the insurrection attempt on January 6th. 
Pepper, do you want to say why they got banned? Well, what they have or since, what after dozens and... I'm getting into specifics, I'm going to mess them up. But after dozens and dozens of situations like that, like saying patently despicable things online, mm-hmm. at least one convention has now like publicly and officially been like, you are banned and you can't come. I don't know the details if it's like one year or a lifetime, did they say? Or there's like, you can't come. So, okay. So, as far as I'm currently aware... I have not seen Texas Furry Fiesta publicly say, like, on their Twitter or homepage, comment on this, but there is a screenshot going around of the letter that Diesel supposedly received. Like, I'm reserving a 10% shred of doubt that it's just someone fucking with Diesel. So we haven't even Mm. confirmed if it's 100% true or not. Okay. Wonderful. It's there's a lot. If you look at the letter, there's a lot of questions on like that doesn't look like proper legal head. They're using they signed it with a furry name, not a, an organization. So knowing this, it's very possible Diesel sent this to themselves to do this, but <laughs> or, or someone else. I don't know if Diesel would do that, but I do believe. Yeah. Some. So I think we should mention like the reason the main. I, I, yes. for, from what I understand, was the main reason they were talking about forging vax cards and. Right. And forging Vax cards was not a topic started by Diesel talking about it. That was somebody else going off. Hilariously, someone who was very upset at me because they thought I had like fraudulently essentially forged a vaccine application to get myself a vaccine when I shouldn't have been able to get one, which I did through legitimate means, which I only have to say to cover my own ass. Uh, uh, That person, a person who was very on that bandwagon (laughs) was the one who initially said, fuck that. You said we have to have a vaccine in order to go to your con, Denver. I'm just going to make a fake vaccine card. (laughs) Like, that's, that was the... (laughs) Which turns out, that is a federal document, and forging federal documents is hilarious, because my vaccine card was given to me with the date of the the day, that date, like the current date I got it, written because I got it, and a Pfizer, and literally no (laughs) other information of any kind on it. I could have written any name, any phone number, anything. It's just handwritten. There's no fucking serial number. There's, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So for it's not even forging. I just write any fucking name I want on there and be like, "Yep, vaccine, whatever." Like, but that's a that's an aside. So yeah, Diesel may or may not have been banned by a con, and I think that's a less interesting topic than the people on Twitter. I can't talk about it on Twitter because they'll get mad at me. People on Twitter who are saying, "What the fuck?" Every other yeah. furry con and all these other people that we don't like. How come every single one of these cons has not banned every single one of these people? Why aren't cons doing more to proactively ban bad people before they even? go to the con and my thing is maybe we should think about that for like a couple of seconds <laughs> Drager, you run cons go for it oh before we abandon ood do you have any thoughts on anything we've said <laughs> like this is very outside of your wheelhouse i don't know it just it just breaks my heart <laughs> when i think about it like like no, not so much about the the furry convention i've i've, I've never been because like uh, I'm thinking about maybe commissioning a squid head at some point. Anyway, but you should definitely come to a con with us because it'll be really fun. Is there is there, <laughs> yeah. is there a space for mollusks in 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 furry? Mm. Oh, every every single of course. Species. Absolutely. I am the least furry person on this call. Yeah. Don't worry about yeah. it. I think I think Ood is a mollusk, but like, and I, besides the point, um, like it, it breaks my heart because, like, say these two went to the con, or like, say somebody went to the con, like, and and had was shedding this virus and spread it to somebody, and and uh, they spread it to somebody else, and you know that chain of like passage happens, like, 
I'm not sure if people are going to learn their lesson from this pandemic, really, because the consequences are so separated from their actions that, like, they're not going to know that they killed somebody's grandma, like, three infections down the line, like, that kind of thing, and, like... So, like, totally agree. They're gonna go somewhere. Oh, like, some of them are gonna be sick. Some of them are gonna be like asymptomatic and spreading stuff. And like, because of their actions, somebody's gonna die. And some people likely have died because like people spread the virus uh, by not taking precautions. Like, they'll never find out about it. They'll never connect those dots. And if they do, like, they'll never admit to it. So, like, I don't know if people are ever gonna. Like, learn their lesson. People that just, like, rode this whole thing thing through, not taking it seriously. I don't know. I may, may have, maybe I'm pessimistic. There's there's an interesting... Uh, there's a weird disconnect, like... And, and we were going to talk about this eventually, of people, like, fucking Rogan <laughs> was going on about, saying, oh, 21-year-old people who are healthy shouldn't get the vax. Why would you? And there's this implication, like, you can pass it on to other people. Why would you even say that question without the idea that you can pass this virus on to someone that you would care about? Like, and then they would go, and my, my, only, my only guess is he's being... Willfully ignorant? Willfully ignorant, yes. And like say like, oh, they're just doing they're just showing their vax cars to virtue signals. Like, no, this we've all agreed this is a thing we should do for our other human beings. So the vaccine, like he got vaccinated. Has he said I'm like, like there's the, all these rich people know, always actually. get vaccinated. It's it's that's the most fucked up thing. Like Tucker Carlson's up there. Probably because he's he probably says because well, I'm old or something like that. So probably. okay, uh Ood, here's here's a question for you with any kind of Let's go with any social group that inherently is either queer-friendly or outright queer-led. Uh, what would happen, like, would you pre-ban if someone online is very comfortable using various slurs and basically expresses an in not outright a deliberate intent to break a code of conduct, but clearly is not going to adhere to it. Like, would that be grounds for one of these groups to, for a group to ban someone? Is, are you part, a participant of any group that would say... So, so there's, there's ten people in a group. One of those people uh, uses, like, derogatory language slurs, something like that. Do you ban all ten people in the group because they choose to associate and keep that tenth per person around... <coughs> <coughs> Am I understanding that correctly? Ooh, we're getting messy now, see? Um, that's not specifically what I was saying. I'm saying that tenth person wants to go to a group meeting and has a history of slurs falling out of them in any context, oh, and the purpose yeah. of the group is to be a safe space. Would you up front say, you can't come, or would you say, here's our code of conduct, and then if the person says, I can't follow that, like, what are the different levels where you would effectively... Pre-ban. I mean, I, I think that, like, if I know they're going to be interested in, like, a, like a space or an event that I'm creating, I think I might want to make a, a list of those people's, like... Like I'm like a, I'm trying to get involved in a, in, a, in a communist party that's trying to be born in our city in Saskatoon here, and, like, there's a list of, like, outright Nazis and, like, people who use, like, derogatory language and, like like, slurs and stuff, like, known racists, like, out-and-proud anti-maskers that 
we kind of have that we're not allowing like into our little discord group while we're organizing and i think like i take that similar philosophy with that to kind of agree with that decision like um especially for building some kind of space where discussion can be had like who wants to deal with like somebody dropping slurs and ignorancy like it seems like like even even in a in a productivity type way it seems like getting past that and working around ignorance and like when you don't have to uh would make things less pragmatic pragmatic it seems like less would get done at that meeting because you have to deal with this side issue and that's besides like alienating people making people not want to come back making people not want to participate uh stuff like that um I don't know. Like it, it makes me think that, yeah, it makes me. I, I think I would ban that person uh, preemptively if they had a history of it. Uh, I guess those are my thoughts. So I, what I was gonna say is, when I had to dissociate with something that I didn't know I was going to be associated with, <laughs> I gave my reasons and spe- pointed to specific actions of why I was doing so. And I don't know. I guess. I would hope the organization would do the same if they were to take action on, like... We're thinking, like, case by case. I'm trying to zoom out and think on a practical level where, like... Yeah, I know. These are all... Okay. So, Pepper, let's do that. But is there a practical level, is my point. Well, so I I started saying... So I I run First Squared, and I'm varying forms of staff at several others and have been in those behind-the-scenes discussions of... Oh, someone's being shitty, but in a way that, like, we've not had to deal with before and we don't know what to do. So the easiest one for a long time was the furry raiders. They're ba- they're basically, they're white supremacists. Mm-hmm. They're Nazi furs. There are a lot of yeah. queer people in there who don't understand that they're next on the chopping block, but that's a different topic. And the a lot of cons are hesitant to outright ban anyone from any associative group because of what we're talking about. It gets really weird where... <laughs> Are you banning by association? But in this particular case, the way things have moved to is if you are in the furry raiders, you are saying you support white supremacy and fascism, which is immediately breaking. I'm talking about non-affiliated people, by the way, like not necessarily ban a group. No, I know. I'm I'm getting to that. But there was a point in time where so like BLFC, for example, had a bunch of furry raiders show up. I was there. And they were wearing their armbands. And their armbands are a specific call-out to the Nazi red, white, and black armbands. Yeah, we had an incident like one Denver, right, where, like, various people were, like, walked off the premises and shit. Like, it happened. (laughs) Yes. So that is where it evolved to. But originally, the armbands turned into, oh, well... We're yeah. just going to say you can't have these armbands because the con they has were the right to say what is and is not appropriate. Look Nazi, what got no really interesting is the con was... Well, yeah. All right. So what, where it got interesting was the con was talking with host health security and the con in a roundabout way is like, hey, we're comfortable saying they're not allowed, but the, the hotel, will you do anything? <laughs> the hotel wasn't willing because it's... And it's not even that they weren't willing. They just kind of sat there and went, we don't know if we would incur a lawsuit. And then that ban is like, you can't be removed from hotel premises, but you can disallow them from conventions. So in theory, they could just sit in their hotel room and be at the hotel bar and hotel restaurant the whole time with absolutely no restriction. But then they couldn't walk but into like specifically main events or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> like, and so that's a basically where that's, that's where a lot of furry things have gotten to and a lot are more upfront and bold about it. 
let's say TFF can did in fact ban diesel. <laughs> he can still hang out in Dallas and like wave at people, mm. <laughs> I guess. Now, well, and now to be clear, most conventions, especially medium size and bigger that have been around a while, and hopefully the small ones too, have good relationships with their hotels. And a relationship, a good relationship with your hotel can be, hey, we've banned this person. Uh, up to you if you are also doing that. And usually if there isn't something that that person has done that is like the hotel will ban them from not yes. just their premises, <laughs> but the entire chains, that's pretty rare. But the hotel will keep a list and go, we'll keep an eye out. And they might be more yeah. harsh to a first infraction because they don't want to piss off the event. Mm-hmm. So that's a roundabout way of saying uh, if your event is wondering whether or not to uh, ban Nazi furs preemptively, oh, fucking do it. Do it immediately. <laughs> do not allow fascism and hate in your event. The thing that concerns me there are calls go. for calls for not 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 from people with like relative social influence, I can say, I guess, uh in the furry sphere who that is not even in the realm what they're talking about. They're saying that cons should be scrubbing Twitter and just picking out and proactively weeding out not just people who want to go and like have done things and like have, you know, history whoever or even show up to the event and do things that are inappropriate, but just people who look kind of shady should be just preemptively banned from cons and the idea that any con could have you need like a staff if wrestle to keep it in wrestling between the three topics we talk about if wrestlemania wanted to do exactly what i just described <laughs> could you imagine how fucking difficult that would be how amazingly expensive hard impossible how fucking impossible it would be to vet every <laughs> attendee of wrestlemania and that's one event that's even fun, yeah. Well, they just made him sign waivers they literally made him sign a waiver saying if i die it's my fault that's how they handled that. A big event with people. <laughs> like That would be crazy. Okay. And that's a thing that makes millions and millions of dollars. We're now talking about conventions with you know a handful of thousands of attendees who most staff people don't get paid at all. They might get like a free room. They're all volunteer orgs and everyone has day jobs, if not multiples. Like it is just, it's fundamentally unrealistic to do what the mob is asking. Well, and like, well, so then there's the other part of it too where, uh, was it Denfer? Denfer said publicly, we have the information of the person who is, go who is planning to distribute fake vaccine cards. If you or another convention wants it, contact us. And I have not yet had a chance to consult with a lawyer. I think there are legal implications for what they did, and it makes me nervous. Mm. Pepe, it's kind of like what you were saying, like people expect like, what cons to fuck? scrub and do the work <laughs> and like do all the stuff to make sure. It, it, it's it's the Ugh. question of whose responsibility is it They want to turn con call out Twitter into call know? out real life where you stand at the gates of the FurCon and you walk in and everyone judges and then you get to go, you are unclean, you may not enter the furry convention. <laughs> they want to be the cops. They don't want to beat the cops. Well, and like to be clear... In the FCLR context, one of the rules we specifically have, because there are laws against this, none of us at any point in time in this multi-convention, because we're a bunch of independent orgs, we are never, ever, ever allowed to discuss our pricing, pricing. with each other in that context, because that opens price up the fixing. risk to, to collusion and price fixing. So mm. I don't know if there is anything like that. A database of undesirables? A furry convention database hey, of undesirables? Hey, you said the thing! Because <laughs> that's what they're fucking asking <laughs> for, and that sounds like psycho shit to me, and I can't say that on Twitter, or they'll be like, what, are you saying you love Hitler? <laughs> I'll be like, what? <laughs> well, I'm like, Pepper, let's be clear. 
do you agree with any individual event saying on its own volition, Diesel, you're yeah, a piece of shit, that's fine, you're not allowed. Like you said, it's got, what, it's, what will amount to is you can go to the hotel but not the con, and if you really <laughs> want to, they can just sit there the whole time and not say anything to anybody. <laughs> okay, Pepper, I want to be perfectly clear on my standpoint, and I know there are a lot of convention runners that do this. There is a performative aspect oh, that yeah. is important to upholding your code of conduct. And that is doing what you can within your power to stand by your people. And yes, Diesel can show up. And yes, the fucking Nazi furs can show up. But by outright saying, you are not allowed at our private event is protective of the people that would be abused by these shitheads at the event. Like, it is You're also exceptionally talking about a specific thing worth that has, doing. With this situation, yeah, I can make that. I can say that because there's enough around it that I can make some kind of decision. They're asking for us, me to make that kind of call based on, like, FluffyFuck95 who said one thing on Twitter. Like, I don't know. Do they have, like, Diesel has a big, long <laughs> history of, like, here are my guns. Here are my beliefs. It's like, ah, shit. <laughs> but not, not, not everyone has that. And they're, and they're saying we should be finding them before they find, before they even... Like this is a what's the movie day after tomorrow the future crimes Tom this is Minority Report we got to get the future Minority crimes Report. division of furry <laughs> pre crime yeah that's it there's no like end to this it's just yeah. I I wish people would consider like the same thing of people like, retweeting <laughs> the FBI like we're looking for this person it's like stop helping the FBI I thought we as commies don't like the cops. It seems like some of quote unquote commies, furries, don't want to stop the cops. They just want to be the cops. And that punitive justice model in their brain is still there and they can't fucking stop. It's not that you do anything different to the Nazi furs. It's just, no, now the cops are all trans. And that makes it better somehow. Like, what? <laughs> it's, the, it's the punitive nature and the punishment and the like that kind of shit that we don't like about the, the author- abuse of authority. Not just that we wish we were the ones controlling the cops. At least personally, that is not what I want. Chicago has a black. Chicago has a black female. Is this Mayor Lightfoot lesbian? I think she is. I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We we have a a black female, not straight mayor, who basically is a cop that stands for every fucking thing we hate about the cops. And just recently, a mm. video is about to come out. And Mayor Lightfoot's already calming, is already calling for people to be calm in light of the video getting released. Like, so you want everyone to be calm because police. She's just going to raise the bridges to the rich neighborhoods so the protesters can't get in anyway, which she did. That's a thing that they do in Chicago. Yep. To keep them out of the rich people. It's happened multiple times. Oh, don't get near the rich people. They might hear about the problems that exist in the city. Sorry, <laughs> getting getting distracted here. No, oh, yeah. All right, what's yeah, our next thing? I want to spend a year. Yeah. Uh, Zan, where do you want to go? <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, I just want to swing back around before I forget. Uh, just to point out, like, yeah, Rogan's totally full of shit, and that there's plenty of patients in their twenties, thirties, and forties on oxygen and life support more than any other time during the pandemic. That was according to an ER doctor in Detroit. So just want to throw it out there, and. So he's like, oh, my kids were fine. And oh, it's a terrible clip if you've seen it. But just that is very dangerous. There is, I believe there's a longer conversation about the effect or how important that stuff is. Apparently, apparently these fuckers think they have no influence and have no responsibility to the outside world. But yeah, they just constantly shovel shit out there and do not care. And even says so. How come people aren't mad at Spotify or are they? Or I guess they should be. If we all want to go after platforms... 
that's the number one downloaded they should be thing Spotify. on Spotify yeah. is the Joe Rogan podcast. And Spotify is just like, oh, I don't know, whatever, count money. Counting my money. Counting my money. <laughs> like, Their podcast user interface is shit. I'm going to say it. You know what? It's they make shit. it worse. They keep making it worse. <laughs> I pay for Spotify. I pay fucking money. And I open up the app. And every time they're trying to give me a survey. I'm like, how much do I have to pay you to leave me alone? That was the deal here. I pay you. You stop giving me ads. Instead, now you just start giving me ads for you. I have to see ads for Michelle Obama's podcast instead of ads for fucking shavemyballsbetter.com, which I'd prefer. <laughs> All I'll say is the the pervasiveness of food YouTube going with sponsorship, and this guy was talking about vegan eggs and then transitioned to a pube shaver, and I'm like, nope, found it. Found the ad sponsorship I'm not okay with. Keep your genital talk <laughs> Look, away everybody from food has pubes. talk. God damn it. Well, that's not totally true. Most people that's have amazing. Pubes, I assume. <laughs> most and people have pubes, <laughs> and most people eat. I do not want those two things in the same fucking context <laughs> without keep, a goddamn these... content warning. Oh. <laughs> and as you're waiting for that souffle to rise, you can shave your pubes. <laughs> Who has still seen ads? Because I want to talk about a weird YouTube ad I've seen, and I want everyone else to list examples. Here's the weird one I'm getting recently. Do it. Which just makes me sad, and it's uh, for pharmaceutical prices. It's like, oh, use our app when you're at the pharmacy, and we'll find you the cheaper price for drugs. And the implication is we know that the like med industry of the U.S. is so messed up, we can essentially do a bunch of startups around it in the countdown to everyone actually getting medical care. And that's what weirds me out about that commercial. Who else has seen a weird commercial? Or weird just products added? You all, I'm sure, see the, like, is your soap have a big enough dick for a man? And I'm like, what are we talking about? <laughs> Has anyone seen those ads? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. Oh, oh here's a, Okay, I'll give you my favorite terrible commercial. It showed someone like, oh, what was it? They, they were basically equated you getting your own health care to manliness. It's like, are, you still, are wow. you still on your parents' health care? Yeah, it's like, what the fuck are you sweating. doing? But it's a real thing. Like... There is a real toxic masculinity social thing of, like, going the do- to the doctor is seen as weak. So, to a certain yes. extent, like, advertising going there, like, they want the money dollars Ooh, the from doctor. the men. So the motive is shit. But the, the effect is finding out how do you, en- like, the, the part, the lesson that can be learned is how do you engage with toxic masculinity like that, regardless <laughs> if you're going for the good thing of, Please go get health care and Ood, do you buy go to the man soap. doctor or the regular doctor? <laughs> what kind? <laughs> I go to I go to the doctor, Doctor Who actually. He points, <laughs> a, <laughs> he points a screwdriver and it vibrates me a bit, you know. I go to the ninth doctor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you said that one because he during that whole filming of his season, he was suffering from anorexia. Oh man! Oh no! A quick Doctor Who aside thing. It's very well known that uh, Christopher Eccleston like suffered abuse and a lot of problems that it is really like mm-hmm. not common for men, especially in the entertainment industry, to be open about. And over the past Him couple of years, he's been doing more interviews and talking about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love Doctor Who. It's, it's wonderful and wholesome. And to know a thing I love caused so much distress and harm to the person doing it is just sad. 
weird thing that relates to eating disorders. I saw an advertisement on Duolingo for uh, to dis- I could only describe as a certain kind of expanding foam that you eat so you don't feel hungry, and then later you diarrhea it out. And uh, apparently, that's just what a lot of products are now. You just buy a lot of those. It's like it'll give you, you shit away wow. the pounds. Like Caitlyn Jenner, well, not that one. Uh, the Kardashian, the like, the ultra famous Kardashians get in trouble because they'll like advertise teas that give you enough diarrhea that you lose weight, uh, and that's just like a common. Th- it never went away. Everybody, we've been doing this Shit. since like the turn of the century and beyond. <laughs> oh, one thing I learned is like people uh, just paying attention to like. Uh, uh, anything in the health industry, you two, I'm sure you, you two drag her like as far as supplements, they will put anything out there and there is no fucking rules. Okay. Um, <laughs> if, if, no. if you don't want me to talk about this when I dive into it, just tell me not to, but I got a, we- I got a weird vibe from a Facebook commercial recently. Go for it. Are you guys sponsored by HelloFresh at all? No, <laughs> we have no sponsors. I think HelloFresh <laughs> is pro incest. No. Are they? <laughs> um, what did they do a Folgers ad? There was a little, oh there was a little thirty second ad from HelloFresh, and the whole, the whole, there, there's a bunch of series of videos in this, in this series. They shot a bunch of thirty second videos, but it's basically like shot like a, a like a '90s soap, like The Young and the Restless, and everybody's enunciating their words and like all, all that stuff, <laughs> and it's about this like divorced housewife trying to win her ex husband back, and. And like there's a, there's a like a, like the skeleton bullshit of a storyline attached to it, and like it's overacted and all that stuff. But one of these little thirty second ads, it's uh, it's this dude with like uh, you know this chiseled dude like standing next to the the, the ex wife, and they're they're loaming over this Hello Fresh box. Because let, let's not forget this is about selling Hello Fresh. Um, and they go Hello Fresh is delivery food. They send you the food, you make the food. Yeah, that's the one. And, and, like, they're talking about what's in the box, but, mm-hmm. like, they're giving each other, like, fuck me eyes the whole time. And it's like, <laughs> oh, I haven't had home cooking in such a long time. Well, <laughs> these pork chops come with saffron. Like, that that kind of shit. And then, and then like, it looks like they're going to just, like, jump each other. And then, oh like, the, the woman convinces the dude that um, to finally dive into these pork chops and then... He lunges at her and says, "Okay, sister, let's <laughs> dance," and then fades to black. Why did they make her his sister after they did like sexual tension all through? Am I reading that wrong? Did I not see enough '90s soaps? It's more like hello, okay. Sist. So, well, <laughs> the only thing I can say is maybe for some reason there is an attempt at a throwback. There was a commercial that, or like a little skit that was based around the parents intentionally keeping a brother and sister apart because they want to bang. And it's like a comedy skit of the parents' frustrations of, oh my God, why do we have to deal with this? No, stop! Oh, if, if, they're, oh do, if they're doing a callback to a meme, like, I, like, like honestly, respect. Like, I, uh, yeah, yeah, good. Like, if that was intention, if that was Maybe intentional, like, oh, yeah, fuck you. They're just like, incest, buy what our product. Like every commercial just is like, oh, and then at the end, they make out with their mom. Like, yeah. that's... That's how all commercials end. <laughs> well, can't deny. You're, you're going to tune into the Super Bowls one day, and you're going to see a big daddy with a bunch of puppies on leashes, and he's just going to be like, miracle grow, and that's going to be it. <laughs> Catch your attention. 
Oh, we're we're over an hour, so we can either go to last segment or ending. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Any last minute things we got? Last points? I know that in Cop Corner, uh, we have another new open investigation into the Minnesota or Minneapolis Police Department. Um, Ag Merrick Garland announces. <laughs> <laughs> They do this all the time. That's the thing. That's the thing. Right. I mean, I swear I swear we've had a lot of these announcements. So we're doing a thing. And then like Minnesota voting to defund their police got held up by whatever triple subcommittee downvote fuckery. Like they the city council voted for a thing, but some rule allowed some unelected body to cancel that. That's why it just never happened. Like, oh, Minnesota voted to the city, like sorry, Minneapolis specifically, like after they burned down the police precinct. Yeah, that just went nowhere. But we got all the headlines saying how they were going to do it, so everyone thinks something happened. Mm. Hell, I thought something happened for a long time. <laughs> yep, That's pretty yep. on brand. I mean, like, cutting ribbons and kneeling with scarves instead of doing actual work is pretty on brand for... <laughs> I don't know. We've set the pieces in motion. There's Please trust us that this train will go somewhere. And then the train goes off the distance and it actually went it's off okay. a cliff. It's you okay. I can still know. see the caboose. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah last, exactly. It's, like quasi, it's not even cop related. Uh, last minute. All right. Um, I, I use this as my last minute because there's not really a lot to talk about, but it's an example of like just weird, like outrage videos getting used for uh, incorrectly. There was like a viral thing that got passed around, and the the subject with it is like if you read the the caption, you would assume that it's oh, it's a hotel employee being racist towards a black customer because that's the way that's the information done in the tweet, and then you actually watch the video. And it, in fact, is a person right. holding a camera berating an employee until they have, uh, not to use this word, using this word, a fucking breakdown. They have a breakdown on camera, start smacking themselves in the head, and they walk away and you hear them cry. Yeah. Like, at no point do they scream racial slurs at the person filming. They say nothing insulting to them at all. They have a freak out. They leave. And it is posted as if they had attacked this customer. Because there was, like, some error in the mm -hmm. system. They're at a Holiday Inn. Like, this... This this is a situation where the customer is wrong and they won't stop and they feel and then they post it on the internet like look look at this horrible employee and how they're treating this person by crying in public and going away and I'm like fuck I have never related to an employee so hard in my life and it doesn't seem like they're having a good time and I this is why I guess I hope people take at least three seconds before they just retweet and say what a racist employee like without actually looking at anything or reading anything yeah and and, and it's weird it's weird. Like it's like the implication is like the employee has wronged them by. We've all worked retail jobs where you are not the one in control. You are the the layer of defense between the corporation and the employees. You're meant to you're the shock absorber. You absorb the rage and then you go home and want to die. And in this case, he didn't get all the way home. Uh, and they like quit. And as far as we know, they're still okay. But like they've been posting on Reddit, and it's just genuine concern of like, holy shit, we need to get this guy. I say guy, it's like a kid, it's like a fucking teenager. It's like we need to get them into a safer situation or something. Can you imagine being on the customer service line for like Comcast or some shit? Okay. Like, fuck, <laughs> their their soul must be like scooped out like an ice cream bucket. Like, it's just turnover. <laughs> Next in. Oh, someone's crying again. I'm assuming this is true for the hotel stuff as well, because it absolutely is true for the for Comcast or any of these telecom where you talk to a person or insurance anywhere, really. If you are talking to phone support, what they have adopted is the terms of service you have as an employee and what script <laughs> you have to follow to not get fired yeah. is fucking enraging. Mm. And so, like... 
for example, uh, there's an old Comcast recording that's, I believe it was Comcast, could be AT&T, pick any telecom, they're all the fucking same, mostly, sort of. Um, and it's the person saying, I want to cancel my account. And they, the person on the other line won't acknowledge it or keeps trying to offer these different deals. And then basically the person trying to get their account canceled, it's not a meltdown. They, they planned doing this and recorded it on purpose and then just started interrupting the person and talking over them. Cancel my account. Cancel my account. Cancel my account. And the person on the other you end, the, do Comcast the script employee, is still going through the script because they have to, because they won't be able to pay their fucking rent if they lose a job. Ugh. And like that's the insidious part of where of what capitalism has done to us in that yeah. the person you have to interact with, even though they are employed by the big evil and have to do the things the evil tell them to, it's in service of that person still has to eat and have yeah, a and, roof. I don't know, kind of sort of conclusion to this. Uh, by all means, like anger for X company, valid. Just remember who you're talking to, remember the amount of power that they likely have, and be ready to stop. Like, be insistent, but be polite. Do not break down. Don't fucking berate people. You shouldn't be screaming at service employee workers. And just ask for, like, oh, you probably can't do anything. Can I just talk to the person? Like, give me your, just send me to manager. And if you can, it's cool. Call me back. Like, (laughs) being really mad when you do it doesn't usually help. like me <laughs> and like not even getting into like mental health and like personal issues and personal struggles yeah, like totally. even put like those things are added on top of it but even putting those mm-hmm. aside like you have to fight tooth and nail full time to like make it like the dollar is worth less now than ever before like the amount of time you have to work to pay a rent every month is more time now than it was in the past like we have to work longer and harder in order to make it like it's 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 mm-hmm. it's a struggle everywhere and it's turned like it's turned us all at some level into like opportunistic hypocrites cuz we have to be <sighs> if we're not then like we're not going to make it it it's it we have no choice to earn we have to work like uh, imagine if all those like automatic cashier machi- machines like got a debt and we could like establish some kind of UBI based off that and as automation continues like the more people we can retire to just do their own thing and live off UBI like like if automation is going to become the thing for physical labor and other jobs like why not use it to release humanity to do what they want like it should be a salvation you know it should be we're going for Blade Runner future here I think a lot of people don't want to believe in a better way because they already bought in it's like well I already did the work and it's like you want better for other people you should at least <laughs> well how like go- going back to what you were saying before about like tribal societies like dif- different anthropo- uh, anthropologists have estimated that we worked between 8 to 20 hours a week when we were hunter gatherers we were hunter that that was our work week like 8 to 20 hours for a million years for a million years wow <laughs> That's what we did <laughs> even that is an intentional misrepresentation because how much time is spent on your community uh-huh. enrichment yeah. the community raising mm. children like, that takes effort. That uh-huh. takes non-trivial yeah. effort and empathy and stress to do that. But somehow we have, like, fetishized that as, well, raising Not kids work. doesn't make you it money, so count. therefore it's, like, you have to do it because you're yep. supposed to because God tells you to, yeah, like, but it doesn't make you money, so fuck you. Yeah, like, if you have a full-time job and you raise kids, you have two full-time jobs at least, you know? Christ. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't like I don't like everything Andrew Yang has done, but I do like that he pushed that idea of work outside of earning money is beneficial to society, and yeah. basically just the idea. Of, you know, right, who else has the last minute? I talked for a long time. Thank you very much for being with us, Ood. I think we're good. Oh yeah, do, do you mind if I uh, do you mind if I pitch my cast? Yeah. Please yes, do. You. Okay, well, uh, we're a cult of Veritatis. Uh, hard to spell. I know. Um, if you go to ovpod.ca, you can find all our stuff there, all the places to subscribe. Uh, we cover a lot of different subjects, basically whatever we're interested in that month. Uh, we're quite eclectic. Uh, we've covered true crime, history, uh, controversial events. One of our episodes was, was uh, centered on harm reduction with an interview with a person who runs a harm reduction facility. So... Uh, we cover all kinds of shit, so, you know, uh, ovpod.ca, see if something grabs your interest, and have a listen. What is it, One was it 156A? Your, the most recent episode is just called Furries, and that has yeah. me talking about furries in various media oh. uh, appearances. And they use a lot of primary sources, which is cool, so we'll be having a conversation about X topic, and then suddenly it's like static crackle, and then boom, here's just audio from a TV program from the 80s that's exactly what we're talking about. Like, I like that structure-wise. Occulte Veritatis. <laughs> oh, it's a cool one. You should check it out. Oh, fuck yeah, yeah. Like, is that Peps on part A of the Furries? And uh, by the time this comes out, part B might be out as well. And we're going to look into, how, like, a, a Pep guide us through how the media portrayed Furries. And we, you know, us us, us non-initiated uh, learned a lot. Well, I, I'm a Beastars mm-hmm. fan, so I'm half-initiated, so, yeah. They, they played the Tyra Banks interview. Oh, the nostalgia. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, there it is. <laughs> and, oh, and the theme music. Oh, wow. Oh, I remember that. We lived <laughs> I got tingles up my spine. My mom played that all the time in the afternoon. Well, where can they find all of the last-minute politics things they, they may want? At lastminutepolitics.com. There is every link imaginable. That's all I have to say. Are we all going to scream goodbye? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Bye. Bye.